Welcome back. This is Cassandra. And I'm Carmi. And we're Too, Too Good, Good to, to Be, be true. true. And this week I'm going to be talking about a little website that I found called iSpoof. And this is for our UK listeners because that's where this the majority of this fraud went down. And uh, quickly, Karami has a little update on our friend Sonny from Theranos. Right. So, as you remember from a previous episode, Sonny, well, Ramesh Sonny Belwani was involved with Theranos. He helped Elizabeth Holmes develop everything, and he played a part in the deceit and the faking of demonstrations and this Edison device that didn't really work. And he was found guilty of all 12 counts, while Elizabeth was only found guilty of four. Which, again, I'm not sure of the reasoning. I don't know if it's because he's older, more experienced. They felt like he was kind of running the show, maybe. Seems like they're holding him more accountable. Yeah, they definitely are. And there was, I believe, nine... I want to say it was nine counts of wire fraud and three counts of conspiracy to commit wire fraud it was either eight and four or nine and three i can't remember quite which one but he was sentenced on december 7th and it was originally recommended since he deceived both doctors and patients that he get 15 years in prison and have to pay 804 million dollars in restitution but what he actually received was 13 years in prison and three months probation so elizabeth got i think it was 11 11 years yeah. Sonny's got 13, and Elizabeth is to turn herself into custody on April 27th, 2023. And I'm not sure about Sonny yet, but those are their sentencings, and so they're going to be going away for, for a while. For a good long while, that's Maybe for not sure. necessarily. Well, not necessarily, because they can get Yeah, out. there's a lot of things that can happen, appeals yeah, and early true. releases, and I know Elizabeth's already appealing, but that's what they're definitely sentenced to, whether or not they actually serve the the full full sentence i'm not sure but so yeah that's where we're at elizabeth 11 years and sunny 13 wow good for them yeah (laughs) (laughs) don't do fraud folks and speaking of that (laughs) we're gonna talk about a little website called iSpoof. i found this i don't know maybe like a week and a half ago just randomly it had just broke the week of like thanksgiving so most of the articles were from like the 23rd and 24th of november and they're saying it's the uk's biggest fraud investigation ever wow which is you know that's pretty strong words (laughs) so iSpoof was a website that has been described by police as on an online fraud shop basically And the people that were using this are, you know, obviously criminals who want to commit fraud. (laughs) (laughs) So the way they found out about this site was from advertisements posted on channels on an encrypted messaging app called Telegram, which I had never heard of, but... Oh, Telegram is big, big, big in the scam world. A lot of times when you get, even when you get those um, wrong number texts, like uh, when I had that... That one that was saying their name was Bina or Baina or whatever, and I was messing oh, with them yeah. for a while. Do you That's where that? they want you to go always is Telegram. They want you to get to Telegram. 
Oh. To try to get you so to So maybe that. Telegram ain't that great either. Maybe they should look into maybe yeah, shutting I, that down. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they sometimes they'll contact you even like maybe two weeks ago. I got a text from a Nigerian phone number on WhatsApp. Oh, really? So they'll, they'll reach out through they'll any... They'll reach out through any in, instant messaging platform. Right. Really they'll they'll reach out through any any um thing that they can, like any Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, whatever. But right. whenever they do reach out to you, that's where they're always trying to redirect you to, is to this Telegram. Telegram. Yeah, and it I says... I don't know that what it a... is about it that well, makes them I'm gravitate towards it. it. What I found to be the description of what it does... It's a globally accessible, free, you know, cross-platform, encrypted, cloud-based, and centralized instant messaging service. It sounds exactly like WhatsApp. And the Messenger app also provides optional end-to-end encrypted chats. Yeah. I guess. Popular, popularly known as secret chats. And they do video calling, file sharing... And several other features. That's exactly like WhatsApp. So I guess like it's they did. They did used to direct you to WhatsApp a lot when back in the day, and now that and this now Telegram, this one is more popular. Yeah, now it's now it's all about Telegram, and I think it's that I don't know if it's that encryption that draws them that they think right. that they're being they really think secretive. That being well, but like obviously there's still a number attached to it, and you, the other person that they're contacting, still has all the chat logs. So I don't know why right. they seem to think that it's more secure. I don't know. So I guess because they already knew that people were using that platform to do shady shit, I guess, they advertised this iSpoof on Telegram because they're like, hey, you want to do shady shit? Here. <laughs> Here's a great opportunity for you. So... um. It was used to for people to buy that technology that allowed them to mask their phone number so that they could, you know, obviously fraud people and not, or I should say, think they weren't being known. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, there's always ways, <laughs> you know, they think they're being conspicuous, but they're not really. The website allowed paying users to make anonymous spoof calls, send recorded messages, and intercept one-time passwords. iSpoof users were also able to impersonate banks, retail companies, and government agencies in order to trick victims into giving money. They would pose as employees of banks including Barclays, Santander, HSBC, Lloyds, Halifax, First Direct, NatWest, Nationwide, and TSB. Now, I am familiar with some of these banks, but not all of these. A good majority of them are UK banks. Yeah, we wouldn't know the UK banks. So, I don't... I'm not familiar with a good bit of those. (laughs) The scam involved fraudsters calling people at random, pretending to be mostly banks. I mean, there were other places listed, like I said, but mostly banks and warning of suspicious activity on their account. We've seen this before. We've had people call us and be like, the bank called me and said whatever. And we're like, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. We don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that. We're never going to call we're and never ask, you, call for you, and ask you for your personal information. Like, oh, hey, this is, you know, Susie over at the bank. I was just wondering, Emma, what is your debit card pin? <laughs> 
I, I really need that information. <laughs> like we don't ha already like have most of your information in front of us and no one's ever going to ask you for a pin. Yeah, there's certain information That's, that we're always going to have. we can't even have access to. certain information that we will never have. We are not supposed to have your pin. We're not supposed to have your passwords. I love the people that would come in and, and just be start like, spouting it out. Yeah, and they're like, my password is and you're like, horny Whoa. sex bot 69. And I'm like, can you not? Horny first, first of all, first of all, why did Whoa. you pick that? And yeah. secondly, do not tell me. I'm always like, wait a second. Hold up. Don't tell me. You shouldn't tell anybody that information. I don't care if I work at the bank. You don't know me. Bitch, I don't know your life. <laughs> Like, I don't want your personal information. The fraudsters would then encourage people to disclose security information, like me and Karami were just saying. And through technology, they may have accessed features such as one-time passcodes to clear accounts of funds. The iSpoof website has since been taken down by the FBI. Like, literally, I saw online, they had, like, a screenshot of it. If you go on there, it literally just says... There's, like, a big thing that's, like, you know, it's no longer there. You can't use it. It's, it doesn't exist anymore, you know? And it allowed these scammers to access those one-time passcodes and passwords, like I said. Now, one-time codes, I don't know if you're familiar, if you're... A lot of banks use these to verify you. They will deliver them through a text message to your phone... And they have really become a standard for security measures with most online banks in recent years. Yeah, it's just a it's a type of two-factor authentication. Like right. you have to enter your password and then also do something else to prove that you're the person that that password belongs to. Sometimes it's a code right. where they'll call, text, or even email you. And sometimes there's other things, other ways it'll be set up. But yeah. banks do typically tend to go for the code. And these people would be like, hey, give me that code. We would never, a bank personnel is never going to call you and ask you for that code. Yeah, no, we already have everything we need. We don't need codes to get into your accounts. So we're not going to ask for a code to so get into your account. So I don't know why people were falling for this, but, you know, it happens. So... You know, these codes were being sent and people were being asked to hand them over. They would trick the people into handing over money or giving them the codes that would give them access to their bank accounts. So they would either have them personally do it themselves and hand over money to them. And I don't know how they were doing that necessarily. Or they would get the necessary codes or passwords to get to give them the access to the bank accounts. And I'm like, I don't understand why people would give, first of all, anyone access to their bank accounts other than their, I mean, your spouse or like another close family member if you're like yeah, if you have older a trusted individual. and you, you know, need help managing your funds. So this detective superintendent, Helen Rance, from the Met Cyber Crime Unit said victims would not have known the phone call was coming from iSpoof. The person on the other end of the line can be very convincing, she said. This is absolutely devastating crime for so many people. They must be worried. I really feel for them. 
I get that. <laughs> That's, it's, it's not fun. You know, fraud is never good and nobody wants to be right. scammed. But it's so easy. It's, it is very easy, like she's saying, for these people to convince you over the phone that they do work for that, for institution. that institution in certain instances. I, us being people that work for the bank... We never fall for stuff like that because we're just like, uh, no. Right. I mean, and things are changing so much constantly that it's like, even when they, when people, when consumers finally do get a handle on how to block one type of scam, they, they just, they're already they just, they're already working ahead. on the next thing. Yeah, they know they're working else. on how to convince you otherwise to give your information. But I mean, okay, so if you guys call the bank, if you call us, we, of course we're going to ask you. Some identifying questions. Questions. And there's no need to get pissy about it. Yeah, people because will do that. They will get pissy. We're doing that to verify that you are who you say you are because we don't want to give your information or access to your money to, to someone who else. isn't you. Yeah. But when they call you, they should already know who they're calling. calling. And I don't know any bank. Now, there might be some, but I'm saying I don't know any that when they reach out to you, that they will ask you any type of personal or identifying questions because they're calling you. You. They, they wouldn't be trying to reach out and verify you. Mm -hmm. They already have your number on file. So again, you call them, expect the questions. You don't want to answer the questions. Be prepared to haul your ass into a branch because we will not help you if you don't, if verify, you don't verify yourself. Who you are. And yeah. there's no need to be an ass about it. Just We're answer the questions you. or go to a branch if you don't feel comfortable doing that over the phone and just expect that if somebody calls you, if they start asking you for your passwords, your sign-ins, your online credentials, your PIN, your debit card number, that's not going to happen. Bank officials don't need to do that because we already have, have that information. information. We're not going to ask you to confirm stuff like that. But like that one guy, my favorite customer ever still was that guy that called because he got himself locked out of his online banking and he was like, I need you to reset my password. So I verified him right. and everything and I'm going to do it. And whatever happened with our system, it locked me out. And like at the bank that you work at, the questions are like, what's your favorite color? What street did you grow up on? Like any mix of three questions that somebody might choose that they call out of wallet questions. Things right. that, you know, if somebody picks up your wallet, they might get your ID, your address, your birth date. Maybe even your social if you carry that card in there. But they're not mm -hmm. going to know what your favorite food is and what your, your favorite, favorite color, color is and what or... the name of your first dog was. Yeah. So they ask those kinds of questions. Well, I'd ask the guy, you know, his three questions that were like, you know, what's your favorite food? What's your mother's maiden name? What's your favorite color? And I'm working on it and then I get locked out. And I was like, you're not going to believe this. And he's like, what? I was like, I just got locked out. I just out. got locked out. And he, happened to me too. He goes, so what's your favorite color? <laughs> That's hilarious. I was like, oh my god, I love you. He's playing into <laughs> it. Well, iSpoof was created in December 2020 and at its peak had 59,000 users. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of scammers. They scamming people. Yeah. Allowing them to pay for the criminal software using Bitcoin. That's what they, that's what they you know, use to pay for this service. With charges ranging from 150 pound, which is roughly 181 dollars U.S., to 5,000 pound, which is roughly 6,045 dollars U.S. 
per month. So it ranged from like 200 to like six grand. So just imagine the amount of scams that the six grand people were getting. Were were getting, like, because if they were making enough of a profit to make that worthwhile, the amount of fraud they were doing had to be exponential. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And in that year to about August, and like I said, this was December 2020, around 10 million fraudulent calls were made globally, with about 3.5 being in the UK. 10 million calls. Wow. Crazy. I know. Of those, of those 350,000 calls lasted more than one minute and were made to 200,000 individuals. So those were the ones that actually succeeded. Succeeded necessarily like even though 10 million calls were made doesn't necessarily mean fraud was made every right because times. a lot of people are just like oh no thank you and they just but hang they up. could track the ones that lasted longer and those were the people that they focused on because those were the people who probably did get frauded out of their money right so, 40% were in the United States, 35% were in the UK, and the rest were spread across a number of countries. At one point, as many as 20 people every minute were being targeted by callers using this technology bought from this site. Jesus. Which is mind-blowing. Yeah. 20 people every minute. <laughs> That's just, like, insane. And that was primarily in the USA, UK, Netherlands, Australia, France, and Ireland. So they didn't even discriminate. It was just like anybody all over the place. They didn't care. They were like, you got money, we're going to take it. And that's a common <laughs> assumption with them, too, is they, a lot of them target Americans because they think we're all rich. Bitch, we don't have money. Like, the top Our one system per- makes tra- it so we don't have money. <laughs> like... Uh, call and scam Donald Trump. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, sca- scam Kim Kardashian. They're the ones that have the money to give. I honestly, even if somebody wanted to scam me, I would just be like, no, N- no, because How I don't, I don't even, my, I don't like, even have enough to give you. Like yeah. I have a certain amount of spending money each month and it is mine and it's my Starbucks money and you cannot have it. Have it. You cannot have my Starbucks money. <laughs> I need that money to treat myself. <laughs> treat yourself. Yeah. Now we're going to get into the investigation part. UK police began investigating the site in June 2021. And the reason they opted for iSpoof is they saw it as the largest criminal site that was based in their country. So it's not like there weren't other ones. There probably are. This I'm was sure just the biggest are. concern. This was the at biggest the time. concern at the time. Members of British law enforcement were part of a global operation along with Europol and Eurojust to bring down iSpoof. They worked with Dutch law enforcement also who managed to tap the website's servers in the Netherlands to secretly listen to these phone calls. So they like somehow (laughs) tapped into some of these phone calls and were able to listen. I don't know if I could do that because I'd be on the other line like, Margaret, no! No. Yeah, don't I don't know that I can sit there and control myself <laughs> without saying something like, "No, don't do that." And like, don't give me like, a password. No, Margaret. <clears throat> I mean, um <clears throat> <laughs> Early in November, they even raided an address in East London and arrested TJ Fletcher, who's 35. And police say that Fletcher 
is the is alleged to be a member of an organized crime group and they think that he is one not even the total person but one of the people behind this website they don't know for sure but he's TJ al- you better start talking he's buddy he's alleged to be and he is facing criminal charges and they're, they, the thing is, they think he's part of, a, like I said, a member of an organized crime group, which is what they think is behind this whole website and the whole fraud thing from the get-go. Like, the whole thing is, it comes from an organized crime group. I mean, and this, that would make sense. It's a, that's a lot. Just a lot a of lot calls. To, yeah, that's a lot to undertake. So, this guy was living a lavish, in quotation marks, lifestyle, they say, when he was, you know, found and arrested. And he has been charged with making or supplying articles for use in fraud and participating in the activities of an organized crime group. It's said that he will appear in Southwark Crown Court on December 6th, but I could not find any updates as of now, so I'm thinking... Well, an appearance doesn't necessarily mean anything major has happened. He could just be happy. The information... It could be his preliminary... Like arraignment or something. Yeah, there's no like, information out there yet, just yet, of what happened in that. But I'm sure we'll find out down the road. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more investigating that's going to happen, and a lot of talking to TJ and see if they can get, you know, other names right. and stuff from him before any major developments happen. According to what I read, there's two, at least two other suspected administrators outside of the UK. This guy, obviously, they found in London, but they are suspecting there's at least two other guys women whoever i don't know who they are outside the uk two other fuckers two other (laughs) frauding scamming pieces of shit okay (laughs) and they remain at large because they don't have enough information yet to figure out who these people are but in november 23rd in other raids 120 people thought to have used the service for fraud have been taken into custody which that's a lot of people i'm sorry how many again 120 which wow. is only the tip of the iceberg, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But still, to track down that many people in a short amount of time, 120 people is how many they've tracked down so far from their usage of the website. And I'm sure some of them will squeal because they're going to want better deals. Yeah. And we're going to be seeing some more. And that was as of November 23rd. But then I found another article, November 27th, said, according to Europol... Judicial and law enforcement authorities spanning Europe, Australia, the United States, Ukraine, and Canada arrested 142 suspects. So, I guess the numbers are continuing to go up. And London's Metro Police made over 100 of those arrests. So, the majority of them are in the UK. Not all of them, but the majority of them Mm -hmm. are in the UK. As the pool of suspects is so large, they are focusing right now, they're focusing their efforts on UK users and those who spend at least 100 Bitcoin to use the site. Investigators found that Icepoof had earned 3.7 million in 16 months, with UK authorities warning that 100 million pound or 120 million US dollars had been lost from victims worldwide Due to the spoofing. Wow. So they made 3.7 in 16 months, but they scammed people out of like $120 million. Wow. Worldwide. Wow. 
So it's like, that's kind of crazy. As many as 200,000 people in the UK may have been victims of the scam, police say. With victims losing thousands of pounds. So they said about the average was like 10,000. Holy shit. 10,000 was the average. What you can do with $10,000. And in one case... One of the largest ones was $3 million. That's one person. Holy shit. Yeah, that was one person. And they're estimating £48 million or $58 million just in the UK alone. That's just in the UK. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it's kind of insane how ridiculously high these numbers are and how out of control And in such stuff. a short amount of Shut time. 18 months, yeah. Kind of crazy. So, Detective Superintendent Helen Rance, we talked about her before, who leads the cybercrime unit for the Met Police, said, By taking down iSpoof, we have prevented further offenses and stopped fraud furs. Fraud furs. Fraudsters. Targeting Are those like fraudulent dogs? (laughs) The dogs of the fraudsters. Okay. Stopped fraudsters targeting further victims. Our message to criminals who have used this site is we have your details and are working hard to locate you regardless of where you are. So people that signed up for this site thought that they were anonymous, but they weren't. You're never anonymous. Have people never heard of an IP address? (laughs) I guess no. People are just so dumb. That's the thing. She warned others of... There being other, you know, she warned that there are other criminal enablers and they will have taken over, obviously, to provide services to fraudsters. It, it never stops, you know what I mean? Even though they took this one operation down, it never stops. Undoubtedly, they would go on to another website. Oh, yeah, she for said. sure. Detectives have begun contacting 70,000 people suspected of being victims of, a, of this scam which they called sophisticated. (laughs) The Metropolitan Police is sending text messages to mobile phone users it believes spoke with fraudsters pretending to be their bank. And the Met Commissioner, Sir Mark Rowley, described it as an enormous endeavor, which, I mean, it is, because a lot of people to have to contact. And they don't... that's, That's only the people that they were able to find the numbers because they were on the phone for more than... A minute or whatever. There could be other people. I'm sure there were. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of people that won't come forward because they're embarrassed. And that's the other thing. That's what they always say in all these fraud cases. There's certain people who won't because they're embarrassed and they don't want to. And we've seen that. We've talked about that before. God, yeah. We've had to, like, interrogate people before to finally get when it finally comes out that, oh, this was all a scam. Like, oh, yeah, I know. Personally, one of my coworkers was, like, hardcore trying to get information from this guy about a letter that he got sent in the mail, and he was, like, gonna send money to whoever, wherever. And he just would not... Just wouldn't... Wouldn't, wouldn't say anything yet. and would not spit it out. And I was like, uh... First of all, this was out on the teller line. And I was like, I think you need to take him in the office. Because right. he's not gonna sit here and tell us in front of, like, four of us. If you're one-on-one, you're more likely to get right. and more like, information. Um, those two ladies that came in back when I was still a teller. And they both come in with their, like... One had a check for almost $28,000. One had a check for, like, twenty grand. And the one that had the 28, I was like, 
why do you have this? Right. Like it's a it's a good it's a good part of like knowing your customer. Like you really get to know them over time mm-hmm. and see what their regular transactions are, and it, that immediately was a red flag. Like of this course. lady does not typically have such large checks. I'm like, what do you have this for? And she's like, well, I'm selling a truck, and I'm like, you have a truck that's worth twenty eight thousand dollars. <laughs> I know where you live. live. Yeah, like there's no way. Do you even drive? And she's like, well, it's actually my friend's truck. And I'm like, okay, so you know this person? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, in person, you know this person. You know this person. You, you've, you've met, met this person in person. I'm looking at the name on the check, which is, you know, and I'm not being racist in saying this. It's just, it was it a sounds... very un-American name. And I'm looking at this lady. Right. Knowing my customer, like, They're why not that would you, worldly. How would, why they would know you someone? know this person yeah. with this name in Ohio? And why would they trust you? With selling their truck. Right. Why are you involved in the process at all? This makes no sense to me. Make it make sense. And she couldn't. And I finally was like, I think you're being scammed. I think we're going to keep this check and we're not going to deposit it. And that you need to cut off contact with this person. And she was like, okay. And she actually did. And then she did come in like a week later and thanked me for stopping her and they from usually do money. they give you a hard time in the beginning but then they realize that you're only doing what you need to do but We're her just friend to that you. came in with the other check she didn't want to listen and she's you know you know oh yeah who i'm talking about and we yes. can't say the name of course but went on to owe the bank money because... and then she went on to get discharged from the bank as a customer because guys yes. banks can actually do that if yes, you that did have break rules repeatedly like this isn't customer service it's banking. Mm-hmm. We're not obligated to remain nice to, to remain you. Keep helping you get out of problems you, you have of, created. Yeah, digging you out of these <laughs> holes over and over and over. Yeah. You know. So once you become a person a that, problem. Yeah, yeah, obviously you have become a problem yourself because no matter how much we try to help and educate, if you're it's not, not if you're not listening <laughs> and you continue to engage in fraudulent activity at that point you are just as guilty as the as fraudster, they are. and you're and we're going to remove you're a you. risk to us at that point so we have to let you go right and that's know? what happened there yeah it happens so they said the fraud is one of the biggest so far in the 21st century so another one of those you know big things that has you know caused a lot of problems and went down these people who will receive a text they said when this went down, it was like, like I said, the week of like Thanksgiving, they said they were going to send out a text message in the next 24 hours and direct these people to the action fraud website to register their details as officers build cases against the suspects. And even this, this guy who, you know, was the head of this investigation, this Sir Mark guy, he said, it seems weird that they would do it that way that they would go about right like, i was just thinking that i was like have, why would you send a text because these people now are gonna think any they text have so many fraud. people they have to contact it's like it would be ridiculous for them to it would be a huge undertaking to call that many people personally and you know so they're trying to find the best way that they can contact these people quickly and get this taken care of the met 
police were contacting mobile numbers, like we said before, that were connected to the fraudsters for longer than a minute, which suggested a fraud or attempted fraud had taken place. Genuine messages from police would be sent to these people that Thursday or Friday of that week, which I, like I said, was like the 23rd, 24th of November. Mm-hmm. They said the messages would direct victims to that website and would ask them to register with that action fraud. Any other text should be regarded as fraudulent themselves, they said. Right. So they did warn. Well, here's, I was going to say, I'm going to pop in real quick with a little bit of education. Because I know we got listeners in the UK, and it, obviously this is still going on. But a lot of a lot of companies and, you know, the police, if they're doing this, they're going to use, they don't use a phone number. You're not going to get a phone, like a text from like a plus one, five, seven, oh, blah, 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 blah. Right. They use what's called a short code, which is so usually like, like one little, one, yeah, one of those little, little like six digit, digit six or seven digit codes. They don't look quite right like a phone number. You guys can go online. And look up the short code. You can Google the short code. To verify code, that it is. And it'll is. say where it's coming from. So if you get a text and you're like, mm, I don't know. This doesn't look right. Just go check out the short code and see where it originated from. It says it's coming from the police. Go ahead and follow the link and give them your information. And give them your information. Because they're just trying to. Yeah, so that's an easy way to, to this... kind of confirm whether something yeah. is fraud or not. And it's a good like, idea. And I mean, honestly, I'm glad that Karami had that so many of them use a short code that it's like every once in a while I will get a text on my phone from a full 10 digit phone number telling me that my FedEx delivery couldn't be delivered and to click here. And I'm just like, yeah, joke's on you. FedEx doesn't use a phone number. They use a short code. I already know you're a scammer and I just right. block them and move on. I keep getting the, your, your Amazon or your Netflix account has been compromised. I just got an email <laughs> literally like maybe two hours ago i just got an email from amazon prime air Mm -hmm. quotes about my amazon prime account not being able to be billed correctly first of all i don't have amazon prime because fuck them and secondly it was sent to me and 99 other people they group chatted us they're not gonna scam so (laughs) i replied all to all the all people, these people and was oh like well hello friends <laughs> um this is a scam and if you want to listen to my podcast about scams this is it so if any of you find your way That's here awesome. from that email from that email thread hello <laughs> hello welcome to our you know little show about fraud <laughs> that's great honestly i can't even that's so funny so like i said before sir mark said but we want to hear from you because the people we message in these next 24 hours have been victims of fraud or attempted fraud, and we can stack all these offenses against the people we've been arresting. So they want to hear from these people, and they didn't want them to think it was more fraud, obviously. Yeah. You know, that wouldn't be good. They want their input. And referencing the arrest, London's Metropolitan Police Commissioner, Sir Mark Riley, stated... The exploitation of technology by organized criminals is one of the greatest challenges for law enforcement in the 21st century. By taking away the tools and systems that have enabled fraudsters to cheat innocent people at scale, this operation shows how we are determined to target corrupt individuals intent on exploiting often vulnerable people. Which, I mean, pretty much says it all right Mm -hmm. there. 
Meanwhile, Europol's executive director, Ms. Catherine DeBole, said the arrests today send a message to cyber criminals that they can no longer hide behind perceived international anonymity. Europol coordinated the law enforcement community, enriched the information picture, and brought criminal intelligence into ongoing operations to target the criminals wherever they are located. Together with our international partners, we will continue to relentlessly push the envelope to help bring criminals to justice. Good. Which, I mean, good for them. That's what I say. I honestly, I see so many more law enforcement positions. Um, In the future, I feel like we're going to see a lot more need for law enforcement regarding just internet crimes and scams and fraud. Like, I know there's entire departments and tasks task forces already right. devoted to that. But with how bad it's getting, and every time they catch something like this, they turn around and just make a new one. I see yeah. a, a huge need for law enforcement in the future. Oh, which yeah. Which is problematic in itself because so many people are distrustful of law enforcement because that it makes it difficult the stuff that they're because doing they're, the corrupt the things ones. that we see mm-hmm. on the media from the corrupt ones but the thing is with every corrupt one there's i'm sure there's good plenty one. of good ones <laughs> but it's just i i just think it's gonna we're gonna end up seeing it a makes need it for difficult that, yeah a need for entire departments to be created just just for this right and I think that's what they're basically trying to get to is that they are starting these like cyber units because they need, there's a need for it because a lot of these people are scamming under these anonymity type things where like you don't know who they are, they're pretending to be someone else and it's so easy to do with the internet and all the other forms of social media and stuff that we have these days people can fake whole personas as we've seen you yeah. know we have seen it they can make themselves into a completely different person yeah so i i i'm sure there'll be updates on this like i said it's just coming to a head right now yeah. you know it just started and we're gonna hear more about this i'm sure and there'll be updates i'm sure and i was hoping to eventually get an update on you know mr tj and see what happens with that whole thing because you know i'm sure at some point like Karami said he will squeal on these other people if he's He's smart he will i also have at the end of one of these articles there was helpful information what to do if you become a scam victim and i'm pretty sure we've talked about this before but anytime that something like this happens to you you want to call your bank directly you right. know what I mean? To verify And from that a phone that number that you bank. get off of their legitimate website. Yes. It says checking its website first for the correct number to ring. That is important. Like Karami said, you want to validate that you are calling the correct bank number and then call and verify whether someone ha- would have contacted you or not. And they're going to tell you more than likely no we would not call you that as a scammer because that's usually the case if the fraud involved any of your personal information it says to consider signing up for a protective registration with fraud prevention organization cfos which is 
a UK organization, but we do have organizations like that here. I do know for a fact, which maybe someday down the road I will discuss, my mother was a part of, you know, a scam. She was victimized by a scam that was like an online uh, job type. I, like, I cannot hear the word victimized and not immediately think of by Regina George. I can't. <laughs> victimized. <laughs> she was personally victimized by Regina George, but not really. She was a victim of a fraud, like trying to offer her an online job. So we may talk about that in the future, but I know that when she contacted who she needed to contact about all of that, they suggested that to her also to sign up for one of these protection services. It costs you money, but when you're in an instance where something like this happened to you, would you rather be protected or not? What protection service was she told to sign up for that she had to pay for? I don't remember, but this one that they suggested on this website, which is a UK one, says it costs $25 for two years. And what does it protect them from? Because if you're a victim of a fraud, you can easily call the credit bureau for free and have fraud alert placed on your credit file. That that, that doesn't was, cost. That was the other thing that they told And you don't her. have to alert all three credit bureaus. They said to contact the Just, just one, bureau. and that one will tell the other two. Yeah, they did tell her and that, there's, too. There's different levels to it. You can mm-hmm. have just a fraud alert where they just kind of watch your credit and alert you to anything, any new that activity. They see that's strange. And then there's yeah. an actual outright credit freeze that you can have put on where you can't open new loans, new credit cards. You can't do anything that you right. need credit to do. And you can call and turn it off and turn, turn it, back it back on. Turn it back on. Yeah, but, they did suggest that to her also, like calling. Yeah, them. I don't know that you. I mean, I mean, if they're suggesting that you get the service. By all means, look into it and see for sure if it's a good idea for you. I guess it depends on the level of what happened to you. I'm going to have to look into that. And like I said, when I talk to my mom, she will probably, like if I do decide to do her case, which Mm -hmm. I do plan on doing in the future, we can discuss that and she'll tell me exactly what they told her because I don't remember all the details at this point. But it also says change your passwords, which... Of course. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, that's a given. Change your passwords for any accounts that have been compromised due to fraud and any that use the same password. Set up two-factor authentication wherever possible to provide any, you know, another layer of protection on any of your, you know. And that's like what we talked about earlier with the with the codes that get mm-hmm. sent to you. That's the two factor. And don't like, give that to people. Yeah, don't don't give anything out to people. Don't <laughs> give them your password, your codes, your pins, your debit card number. Just don't don't give your information out. They also mentioned being scammed can take a huge toll on your mental health and to find support in those ways also, which I mean that is important. That makes sense. Yeah. That is important. So they said, you know, mind and victim support which I've never heard of, must be a UK thing, have confidential helplines that provide support to consumers who have been hit. So I'm sure we have something like that set up here, and we're going to... I'm going to look and try to find some links. We'll Even if we don't, I mean, show notes. find some somebody to talk to about yeah. it. Because it can't... I mean, there are people it that It can take have, a toll There are people you. that have actually, you know, taken their own Lives. life because, because of, of something like that. There, oh, was yeah. a, there was a kid very recently, actually, that... He was he was either in high school or a very early college student. He lost a shitload of money through a scammer, and he ended up committing suicide. suicide. Then. And I've we have seen it. It happens. Yeah, it's it's no joke. It's so no joke. It can mess with your mind, you know. 
being taken advantage of like that, just like any other crime. So by mm-hmm. all means, like there's nothing wrong with you. Go get help if you need it. If you need it, yeah, definitely. And on that note, <laughs> if it sounds too good to be true, it is. It is. And as always, guys, you can find us on our social media. We're on Facebook at Too Good To Be True Podcast. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Too Good To Be True Pod. If you want to email us, you want to send us a story, a suggestion, a question, you just want to bullshit a little, Too Good To Be True Pod at Outlook.com. We also have that four question survey in the show notes if you want to provide just a little bit of feedback for us. Uh, you can also click the support button, give us a little monthly tip if you have such a desire to pay us to get a little bit better equipment and soundproofing. Uh, we also have that little voice note thing where you can actually talk to us and leave a voice note for us and let us know if you want us to play it in the episode. That would be cool. Yeah. And we still have that decal giveaway if you find that post on our socials and comment on it. You can send a decal of our podcast to somebody. And I think that's really all we've got other than don't forget to rate and review us and tell your friends. Thanks. Bye. Bye. We get her home and it's like whenever you throw her off just a little bit Mm -hmm. for some reason her default is just stand in a corner and scream Mm. just like she did when we took her to Maine and so I'm like I'm in my room after we get back and I'm chilling and all of a sudden I hear this (laughs) what the heck (laughs) she's just in the hallway outside the door sitting in a corner screaming I don't know why she does that because <coughs> she's never stressed. I don't. Right. I don't know why that's. Yeah, because I was gonna say maybe that's like our equivalent of like well, we have a lot going on and we just want to like stand somewhere and just. I don't know. Yell and let it. I don't out, know. Like you know? if it's if she just gets overwhelmed with like. Yeah, maybe and it's like not a like a lot of stimulation. Yeah, it's not like overwhelmed as in she's stressed. I think she's just overwhelmed and it was a lot to take in and then yeah. she was very excited about it. She had to let it out. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that day I was so fixing funny. my hair in Maine and I heard the... Aah! And you just go, you okay, friend? <laughs>